0: Just two, two convictions that we've been repeating throughout every week. And that's, uh, why, like, why will we love one another? Why would we care for one another? And the first one, um, they, they revolve around uh, two types of unity that we have. And Number one is our unity with Christ. Um, as believers, we've been saved. Christ has paid for us and, and um, united us. He's shown us his love. So because we, we're united to Christ and we have his love, that motivates us to care for one another. And then we've, just, we've been brought together in, in a body, um, in the universal church at large, but particularly uh, in the local church here at Timberlake and in Boundless. Um, we're fellow members of, of the same body. We have different spiritual gifts, different needs, um, burdens, and ways to help and love one another. And so this is not some kind of superficial connection or um, a passing kind of thing, but we're we're the eternal family of one another. These people that you're with in church today, they'll be be with you for eternity. And knowing that we're united together in Christ and knowing that we're also united together in the church um, motivates us to love one another. So we're going to look at Galatians Galatians chapter 6 today and see a particular application of, of loving one another, and that's bearing one another's burdens. So I wanted to just start by laying a little bit of background for, for our passage, uh, and just especially looking, considering Galatians chapter 5 and, and 4, because they really provide the foundation for what we'll see here in chapter 6. So the purpose, to summarize the book of Galatians, just to kind of give us a a foundation and direction, Galatians was written to demolish a false gospel that salvation was accomplished with the help of the law. And the churches in Galatia had fallen prey to a lie that they needed the Mosaic law as a part of being justified and being right before God. They'd fallen to the lie that not only did they need Christ to be saved and be right before God, but they also needed external commands and rules. And so, Paul writes this letter. He's very concerned for this young church that they, wouldn't get, they, they would not get unstuck and get out of these lies that they're believing, that they need um, ordinances like circumcision, um, practicing the law to be right with God. But as Paul instructs them and encourages them to turn away from the false gospel and turn to the true gospel, he doesn't just say, hey, throw off the law and you can just forget about it. It doesn't matter. Um, You can live just however you want. He doesn't preach legalism to them. But he shows them that instead of the old law um, that you see in the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament, what was given to the people of Israel, In Christ, we now have the Holy Spirit, and we now are called to follow in the steps of Christ and bear fruit of the Spirit. So Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 how we know, even though we're no longer under the weight and the requirement of the law, we're called to now live as spiritual people. We're called to bear fruit of the Spirit. And... And this is, Paul makes the point that no matter, um, even, even as we're talking about Israel today, um, Galatians speaks specifically to Jews and Gentiles coming together, um, neither is under the burden of the law, but all are united, all Christians are united in the spirit. And the gospel removes the captivity of the law from believers, but it doesn't give them a license to sin. And rather, as we'll see, it's life in the Spirit that fulfills a different law, the law of Christ. Gospel living is holy living, but it's, it's living through the Spirit, through his work, instead of in dominion and enslavement to the law of Moses. So that's a little bit of background. Um, and as I said earlier, we're, gonna, we're talking about bearing one another's burdens, and our outline for today is, is pretty simple. We're just going to ask and answer three questions about bearing one another's burdens. So, three questions about bearing one another's burdens. And let's just read, we'll start by reading our passage today. And verse 2, the beginning of verse 2, that's where our kind of the thrust of the passage is. You'll see that as we go there. So, Galatians 6, starting in verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught... In any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. First question I want to ask, we'll look at, is what does it mean to bear one another's burdens, or what does it look like to bear one another's burdens? Bearing one another's burdens, according to Galatians 6, means that the fruitful believer restores the believer that's trapped by sin. Or you might say when someone, a believer, is caught or entangled in sin, They need to be restored. They need to be unstuck from the sin. And they can't do this on their own. Clay before has used, Pastor Clay has used the metaphor of being caught in a bear trap. Someone who's ensnared in sin has a bear bear trap locked on their leg. They're stuck, they're in pain, and they can't get away. They try to grab at the trap, but it's, it's clamped tightly around their leg, biting in, and they're bleeding. Um, they're hurting. It's, it's destroying them. Or another metaphor we might use is, imagine you're being pulled out to sea by, by a rip current, and you're in the ocean, you're trying to swim, but this current is just dragging you out, and you're not strong enough to swim against it. You need someone who... Who is stronger? Who's able to pull you out? Um, otherwise, you'll be swept out to sea. And as I said earlier, you yourself, or even the person sitting right next to you, might be that might be the one who is in the bear trap right now. You might feel a particular burden and weight of sin on you, um, whether it's anxiety that you just can't overcome, lustful thoughts that continue to to plague your mind, um, different kinds of struggles, depression over circumstances that you're facing, anger that, anger that just keeping, keeps popping, popping up when others wrong you or you perceive that you're wronged by others. These are just a couple of examples of sins that can catch us, on a, catch us by surprise, sins that can snag us in the bear trap, so to speak and if you're if you're there right now if you've been there you know what I'm talking about um it's not it's not possible just to grab that bear trap and rip it open and and get yourself out of it so what you need is and what 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 he says right here is You need someone who's spiritual to restore. And who is the restorer here? What what does Paul talk about? What does he mean when he says um, in verse 1, you who are spiritual should restore him? I believe the context of this passage is really important here. This comes right after the section on the fruits of the Spirit, where Paul, Paul contrasts the works of the flesh, which are the different sins that um, are from the old man, They're, they're what we're to put off, what we're to put away, with the fruit of the Spirit, which is what the Spirit of God produces in believers. And you can just look at verse 22 and 23 with me. Just slide up a little bit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And when Paul says the spiritual person should restore, he's talking about someone who's characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. And that doesn't mean necessarily that they're perfect in every way, that they've arrived at some kind of grand spiritual goal, that they are hitting home runs on all of these things all the time. But some but a believer, the restorer is, is a believer who's matured to a certain point. They're no longer falling to the constantly falling to the works of the flesh. Um, and, and this is it's just an important, I think good a good time to make a little point. Uh, many of us are are in in the process, we're somewhere in the middle here. Um, you're going to be ensnared at different points, but maybe you aren't right now. And, and a, a question to ask, you might be asking yourself is, well, am I the right person to do the restoring? Um, am I the one who should be restoring when I see someone entrapped in sin? And the, a great encouragement um, to all of us is this is God's, that is God's will and God's goal for us. It's what God promises to do is to make us like Christ so that we can restore and depending on where you're at right now, you may, you may be seeing fruit in your life, and you may have um, areas of particular victory over sin. Or you might, you might really still be struggling with some of these things. So the general, general principle is the more mature you are, in your faith, the more ready you are to restore and help another believer, the more useful you'll be. And Something, though, that's important to point out as well, and and we'll kind of circle back to this, is no matter how mature you are right now, um, no matter if you're the one who's stuck in the bear trap or you're somewhere in the middle of the spectrum, is... Based on this passage that this command is given to, to us as the church, um, we should all have concern for one another's souls. We should all be looking out for when a brother or sister is struggling and when they're caught in sin. Um, even, if you can't, even if you're not necessarily the person to walk your friend through this particular sin that they're going through, say maybe you're also struggling with the same thing that they're going through, um, you might not be the best person to walk them along that path. However, you can connect them with someone else um, who you know, a, a church leader, even a boundless leader here, one of your pastors, um, another more mature believer in the church. You can connect that person to help. And as we'll see as we go along, the one of the most important things that we, that the most important points of this passage is we all should cultivate a burden for one another's spiritual state. Um, We can't be passive and act as though these things don't really matter or as if um, everyone around you, your friends, are just going to be okay. Even Even if your friends aren't necessarily telling you where their burdens and their struggles are, um, you, can, you can be assured that there's always some kind of burden and struggle that's going on in the lives of others. And we'll talk about that some more. But a good, a good little application question out of our first question here is, are you the person that's trapped in the bear trap? Are you right now struggling with a particular sin or burden? Is there something that you just can't get out of? the lord Jesus wants you to find restoration and find life he doesn't the goal of the Christian life is not to walk in perpetual burden and enslavement and bondage to sin and because you have the Holy Spirit in you, because you are a new creation if you're if you're in Christ, you don't have to be dominated by by the sin um, but my encouragement if that's you, would be to find someone to talk with, um, find a boundless leader or even just a friend, um, who can help and encourage you. Don't, don't hide, don't, don't try to cover up the bear trap, um, because as much as we want to preserve ourselves, as much as we don't want to, others to see our weaknesses, um, all we're doing is hurting ourselves. There's no benefit to covering up and protecting, um, our, our image—it's far more important to um, bring the sin to light and find help and restoration. So, not only um, the first question we asked—just learning a little bit about what does it look like to bear one another's burdens—we also should we should ask second question: How do we bear one another's burdens? How do we bear one another's burdens? So we're going to look here at verses. um, This will be the, let's go back to verse 1. So look in your Bibles with me at Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Paul knows that, as he's writing this, this epistle, this letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul knows that this bearing one another's burdens, this restoration process, brings some unique temptations to those who restore. So even as we've just talked about, kind of just what do you do if you're caught in the sin? Let's think a little bit about if you're the one who's restoring, if you're the one who is helping out another brother or sister who's caught in sin and so he wants to give two two parts of two instructions or caveats to how do we restore and the first of those the first might say the first the first instruction he gives about restoring is to bear one another's burdens with gentleness bear one another's burdens with gentleness and that you can see from the middle of verse 1, restore him in a spirit of gentleness, the one who's caught in transgression. And this is, gentleness is one of the fruits of the spirit. He just mentioned it before in Galatians chapter 5. But Paul hones in on it here in particular in the restoration process because when someone is caught in sin and... When you're trying to help another person who's caught in sin, they're deceived, they're entrapped, they're struggling, and most of the time, if someone's ensnared in a sin, and you're trying to help them, it's not a matter of one conversation or sharing the Bible with them about this one verse and then everything's all hunky dory again. Um, it's it's a it's a a long process. It's, it's a battle, and and a um, it's it's difficult. So if any any of you have walked through the process yourself of coming out of a of a battle with sin, or if you've tried to if you've helped someone else, you know that this isn't just a one time kind of deal. And because of that, uh, we need gentleness with one another. We need patience. Um, so that we're not harsh with each other. It's very tempting if you are trying to help your friend who, let's say, is struggling with laziness, and they're struggling to get out of bed on time. And that, that's that's a constant battle for them. And every single day, um, they go to bed late, they hear their alarm, they hit the snooze, a snooze for 15 minutes, snooze again, and... You see them at the end of the week and you, you ask them how's it going hey like how how uh how have you been doing it getting up lately um, and they say well it's it's just it's just really hard I, I i just i just can't I can't get up, but you know that every single night they have a pattern of going and watching Netflix and they go go to their favorite show and they've been watching it up into the late hours of the morning now Being gentle doesn't mean that you avoid talking about that with them. It doesn't mean that you avoid the truth. You you have to go there. You have to talk to them about this is the problem that's leading to, to your struggle. However, being gentle means that we're patient with one another when we're talking about our struggles. And particularly if you're addressing this with the same friend the second or the third time, it doesn't mean that I'm... I'm going to grab my metaphorical hammer of the Word of God and just bang it upside their head and like hammer it into their noggin. Um, we we must not be harsh with restoring each other. We need to be patient and kind. And if you and and if you have and I and I hope you've had someone help you in one of these times. If you've ever been struggling with sin and you've had that person there who is patient, um, who who brought the scriptures to you in a kind way. Um, and even, I know for myself, there, there's there been times where I've, I've been caught in sins for long periods of time, you know, for months or maybe even years. And to have someone who would patiently bring the Scripture back, bring me back to the Scripture, and remind me of the truth without losing their cool and being frustrated at me meant so much. Um, and again, this doesn't, this doesn't mean that we ignore the truth or that we soften the truth. If someone's continuing to go back to the same sin, they need, they need to be warned. They need to uh, understand how serious it is. But throughout the process, we should never allow... Um, we should never allow our our tempers to get the better of us. And... A really uh, important motivation for this is just just think of how patient Christ has been with you. And Romans 5 says that he came to us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. In your most difficult, at your lowest point, Jesus came to you and met you. If you're in Christ, when you, when you were a sinner, when you were plunging headlong into your sin, that was when he came and saved you and sought you. You know, you... You were nothing pretty to behold. You were not a a prize to be won in in some kind of human sense. But the Lord sought you and loved you. And and he was gentle and patient with you. Um, And he, he restored you because he loved you. So that's a great motivation for us on why we should be gentle with one another because the Lord has been so gentle and patient with us. And... Not only, not only should we be gentle as we restore, but we should also, um, we should also approach restoration, bearing one another's burdens in humility. So bear one another's burdens not only with gentleness but with humility as well. And this comes from uh, verse the, the end of verse number one, where it says, "Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted." And there's a couple of different interpretations for. The end of verse one, um, different kind of things that you could be tempted towards as you're restoring. but I think the best the best um, we, won't, we won't go through all of them, but Paul talks a lot about conceit and pride around this passage. Um, in verse in chapter 5:26 he says, "Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Um, and then in verse three, of chapter six he says, for if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And it's very so what I think what I think Paul is honing in on, where he says, keep watch on yourselves lest you be tempted. If you're trying to help another person in their sin and in their burden, you might be tempted to think more highly of yourself than you ought. Um, you might be tempted to think that you have some kind of spiritual advantage over the person that you're restoring or maybe even other, other believers around you. If you're helping someone out and man, they, they have this need, they have these, these sin problems and you're coming to help them. Well, you're the person who's helping, aren't they? They're the ones who are smarter. They're the ones who have all of the knowledge, uh, so, shouldn't we take some pride in that? You know, shouldn't, we, shouldn't we give ourselves a little pat on the back for helping out our believer fellow believers who are ensnared? And of course not. Of course we shouldn't um, lift ourselves up. Of course we shouldn't exalt our own reputation. But it's this is a this is a serious temptation to be proud and to exalt ourselves. And that's something that it's it's important for us to watch out as watch out for as we restore one another. And a good a good passage, even um, in reference to this, that talks about examining our own hearts and any sins that we might be going through before we try to help one another out, is Matthew chapter seven. I'll just read it for you. Matthew seven verses three through five says. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's tempting to rush in without self examination when you see someone who's entrapped in sin. However, we should always check our own hearts before we try to help. And there's some pretty pretty potent examples of the Scripture of people like the Pharisees, who were more proud than the others around them, who were hypocritical. They didn't see their own; they saw the the sin of others, but didn't see their own their own burdens. Um, And we want to watch out for that temptation to be like the Pharisees and to exalt ourselves over others around um, when we're helping and caring for one another. So we want to care for one another, but also beware of some of the different temptations that come with that. And so watch out for the temptation to be harsh. Watch out for the temptation to be proud and to exalt yourself over one another. So, we learned how we should bear one another's burdens, but and what does it mean to bear one another's burdens. But let's ask a third question. Why should we bear one another's burdens? Why should we bear one another's burdens? We've already talked a little bit about this in the introduction, and just the need because of sin, um, because of the, the burden that it brings, and the need of, of those ensnared. But, let's look in verse 2 and see... See, that Paul gives us a specific reason for why we should bear one another's burdens. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's an interesting phrase, fulfill the law of Christ. And in the introduction, I was talking about how Galatians is about how the church is no longer under the Mosaic law. The church isn't If we're saved, if you're a Christian, you don't have to follow all the commandments that were laid out in the Old Testament to be right with God. However, Paul is talking about another law, talking about the law of Christ. What does that mean? He's he's contrasting the law of Moses, which comes out through all of Galatians, um, with... Basically, what the, the law of Christ is the command that Christ gives to love one another. And turn back to maybe even just one page, chapter 5, uh, chapter five verses 13 through 15. And Paul's going to talk, I think this, this helps us understand a little bit about what the law of Christ is. For you were called to freedom, freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for flesh, for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So in Galatians five, thirteen through fifteen, Paul summarizes really the whole message of Galatians, I think, and says we're free in Christ, but our freedom is not so that we can go off and live however we want. It's not just to go and pursue the sins that we used to love. We don't have the same binding weight of the law upon us because Christ has paid for that, but we've been given this freedom so we can serve one another and love one another. And this this ties back into um, when we did the serve one another message, when Jojo preached on that. Um, And he talked a lot about John chapter 13. And when Christ went and washed his disciples' feet, in that same passage, he he gives them a new command. And the command is, love one another. um, Just as Jesus has loved us. And so, no longer... Do we have the whole burden of keeping all of the all these different rules and regulations from the from the Old Testament? That's not what what burdens us anymore. But now um, we're called to love one another, and that's we have the Spirit within us. So because of the Spirit and the freedom we have, we have freedom to love one another, and. By put if you going back to verse two, of chapter six, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When Paul puts these two two in, um, sentences or these two clauses right next to each other, he's showing that they're they're directly related. He wants us to see them together. So in the context, fulfilling the law of Christ means bearing one another's burdens, and we can kind of build that out a little bit and say, a primary way to love one another and serve one another, um, a primary way to exercise the freedom we have in Christ is to bear one another's burdens. And this should motivate us to care for one another, care as, as you see fellow believers who are ensnared in sin, or even as you're receiving help yourself, is these are opportunities to fulfill... Um, Christ's instruction in following his ways. So not only does bearing one another's burdens fulfill the law of Christ, bearing one another's another's burdens also teaches us humility. Read verse 3 with me. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the temptation for pride um, in bearing one another's burdens, there's also another way that pride can keep us from bearing one another's burdens. Pride can hinder us from loving and caring for each other. And that's if, in pride, we, instead of looking around at the needs of others, we say, "Oh well, I'm too good for that. I, I'm someone who's too important to bear one another's burdens. That person who's struggling, they can take care of their own problems. I mean, it's not like they've even necessarily asked me for help, and you know, I, I'm pretty busy. I don't really have a lot of time for them. Um, they're they're causing this problem for themselves." And this is something that, that can creep up in our own hearts um, if we're not careful. Just a lie that bearing one another's burdens is optional, and we—it's really—it's really for the pastors or or um, for those people who who are really good at listening and talking, uh, hearing each other out. And, um, but that's not the truth. It's. We all, um, we all should humble ourselves and look and bear one another's burdens. Um, every single one of you in here has friends that are struggling and have some kind of burden, or you yourselves are. Um, and so we're called not to ignore those, not to push those aside, but to take time and hear and care for those people. Hear them out. Um, understand what they need. And just to encourage you guys, um, this is something that happens all the time in Boundless and something that many of you um, really are striving after and, and are, I see your concern for one another, your concern for the state of each other's souls. And if someone mentions that they're struggling with with sin, with a with burden, it's not just, oh, well, that's too bad. I hope you do okay. There, there's often... Um, encouragement and prayer together and asking them how you can help them, bringing them to the scriptures. So I just encourage you guys to press on, move, um, excel still more um, if you're already doing these things. And, it, and if this is something you haven't thought about before, I just encourage you to think about, man, how, what's, what's one way this week that I can um, care for, some, for those in my life who, who have I seen around me that 's struggling, who seems to have a sin pattern? Um, has someone even told you about something they 're struggling with, and just asking that person how you can care for them and and help them um, and i had a, I had an example we we're going to go through. I could go through with you guys, but um, i have i 've mostly run out of time here so just to kind of give you a resource for some further equipping, because I didn't really go through the nitty-gritty of what's actually the process of restoration and bearing one another's burdens. We just kind of looked at some principles. I would strongly encourage you, if you're not already, uh, come to Sunday night service and hear Pastor Clay preach on Christian maturity. Because bearing one another's burdens, is all it is is helping us to grow in maturity. And he's giving us some really helpful Principles and a plan from the Scriptures of how to do that. So, if you are ensnared yourself in a sin, um, or if you're wanting to know how you can help others with that, I just encourage you to um, come to the Sunday night service, or um, if you're not able to do that, listen to those recordings, and, and you'll be really benefited by that. Um, but yeah, just encourage you guys. Um, just encouraged by you guys. There's there's a ton of this going on, um, and. Excel still more. Excel, excel still more in bearing, um, bearing each other's burdens. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, thank you so much for um, your love for us and your kind, kind purposes. Um, thank you that you've brought your word, um, which is the same no matter the circumstances that are swirling all around us in our own lives and all around the world. Um, You've given us a word um, that sustains us and and brings us life. Um, The truth is what sets us free. So I pray for anyone who is currently um, entrenched in a a, a burden of sin, that they would find help and and find hope in the midst of that, and that you would encourage um, those who are looking to bear burdens, um, looking to care for each other just to um, continue on in that. I pray that you give us all a, a great week.